0: Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers, episode 16, Where Are They Now? A Game of Thrones edition. I'm your host, Scatty, with my two co-hosts, Brooke and Matt.
1: Good evening. Hello.
0: Matt, your old hello gets better every week. So, uh, <laughs> this episode is a departure from our typical format, and we warned you guys of that in the last episode. Uh, we wanted to take a breather after the intense moments of Game of Thrones and see where the events have left our beloved Point of View characters, uh, you know, before we launch into Clash of Kings, which will introduce a bunch of new characters as well as our, our familiar characters. Um, so the idea is, if you're new to the Davos Fingers podcast and want to join us in Clash of Kings, uh, the, the chapter by chapter that we do there, you can listen to this episode and it should give you kind of a catch up, uh, a high level view of what you have missed uh, for the first 15 episodes of our podcast without going back and listening from episode one. So that's kind of the idea here. Hopefully, by going through the different POVs, we'll capture all the high-level events, talk a little about what the characters, where they started from and where they've ended up, and, uh, and that'll catch everybody up. Hopefully, we'll see how it goes. So, to add some fun, because that's what we're all about here is fun, uh, in addition to just doing the summaries of the of the Where Are They Now and the character arcs, we are going to play a little Game of Thrones trivia. We'll cover just events in the Game of Thrones, and we invite you to play along. And uh, just let us know if you answer your, all the questions or, or some of the questions faster than we do, uh, especially Matt. Because I think Brooke and I predict that Matt's going to mop the floor with us, all our bravado aside. Uh, I think that's oh, yeah. our prediction. Uh, but we'll see.
2: Uh, it's going to be bad. I don't perform <laughs> well under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: <sighs> oh, it's gonna be a bloodbath. Pride will kick in. I'm having, my <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good time. Not. I'm having a good time. Not. All right, Garth. Uh, so, um, send us all the all the information about your victories over us and how you dominate uh, and, and uh, answer the questions faster than we do uh, to davisfingers.com or email at, we are at uh or Twitter at or find us on Facebook. So, one last thing. This episode is completely spoiler-free, but we know everybody loves uh, the Davos After Dark segments, and so we are doing an episode 17, Davos After Dark Spectacular, in which we'll just spoil all episode long with uh, as much information as we've got. Um, This is another deviation uh, of us, uh, or sorry, of our normal format. We're pausing the spoiler-free chapter-by-chapter read-through to do the spoilers-only thing just because we think people love it and frankly we love it too. I think every time we get to Dallas after dark, we feel like there's not as much time as we'd like. And so we we wanted to do this kind of special episode. But uh anyway, uh it's it's a little different for us, so uh so bear with us as we as we get through it. So we'll start this one episode 16. Uh I don't know, this is this is probably the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the twins episodes. Uh uh because I think the other one will be a little bit shorter. That'll be the Danny DeVito version. Um but uh let's kick it off. I think we're starting with a, a character summary POV uh, for Bran.
2: So, we're going to do this in kind of a format of uh, we give a quick summary of the character, kind of where he starts out to where they end up, and then we're going to jump into to the questions about the character. Um, not necessarily the character, but any questions from their POV chapters. So, we're going to start, like Scott said, with Bran. Brandon Stark is the fourth Child and second son of Edard and Catelyn, uh, highly regarded as a curious, thoughtful, and um, dreaming little boy who dreams of becoming a knight. Bran is considered to be one of the more rambunctious of the Stark children, especially with his affinity for climbing and exploring. So, in his first POV, which is the the well, I guess technically the second POV of the whole book. Uh, after the prologue, we are introduced to Bran as he is being introduced to his father's form of justice as Warden of the North, namely beheading, deserting knights Watchmen. So uh, Bran witnesses the beheading of a knights Watchman, and then on the way back, Bran is one of the principal protesters against killing the direwolf pups who they found along the roadside. He is eventually, as we know, allowed to keep one, which he names Summer, and the other kids all get a direwolf as well. So after King Robert and his entourage all arrive at Winterfell, Bran embarks on a climbing adventure among Winterfell's little-used towers. And it is there that he happens upon Jamie and Cersei Lannister, who are engaged in some heavy hanky-panky in one of the tall towers. So, thinking to kill Bran and preserve their secret relationship, Jamie lovingly pushes Bran from the window of the tower. So, to everyone's surprise, however, Bran survives the fall, although he is in a, a comatose state um, in which he remains for some time. Uh, and during this time, an assassin sneaks into his room to finish him off, to, uh, to kill him, but... Assassin has murdered himself after Catlin and Summer, Brand's direwolf, intervene. So, also while Brand is out of it in La La Land, he begins to have a series of these visions where he is uh, accompanied by a three eyed crow who promises to teach him to fly. And also in these dreams, kind of with the Three-Eyed Crow as his tour guide, he views kind of a sweeping and sometimes clear and sometimes vague look at Westeros and beyond. He sees across the narrow sea, he sees uh, as far north as you can go, and he has these crazy visions. Eventually he does wake up, uh, and while he considers himself stuck... At Winterfell, uh, no longer having the ability to use his legs after the fall, Bran begins to form these bonds with other people at Winterfell, namely—or Winterfell, excuse me, uh, wrong tense—including Maester Lewin, who continues to take care of Bran and serve as his patient teacher, Hodor, the simple-minded and really big stable boy— who also kind of serves as Bran's legs in carrying him where he needs to go, and Osha, who is a wildling prisoner who was brought back to Winterfell after her band had attempted to ambush Bran and kill him in the Wolfswood. So amongst all this, Bran is forced to grow up rather quickly. He soon becomes the de facto Lord of Winterfell when his older brother, Rob, uh, is forced to run south to To free their father who was taken captive in King's Landing. Remember Bran is the second son so the first son Rob leaves and Bran is therefore taking over even at the tender age of of like nine years old. Um, We end Bran's kind of arc with him having a dream about his father where he sees him in the crypts of Winterfell. So venturing down there with Osha, Hodor, Maester Lewin and Summer, they find nothing except Rickon and his dire wolf uh, with Rickon, we might add, having experienced a somewhat similar dream. So Rickon, of course, is Bran's littlest brother, the youngest member of the Stark family. So after they all live the crypts together, Maester Lewin, in the presence of Bran and Rickon, he uh, receives word by Raven that Eddard has been executed. And that's where things end on, on little Bran and Stark. Did I cover everything, guys?
1: Ah, yeah, all the salient points of Brandon Stark. Poor kid.
2: I know. A rough, uh, rough go for this little dreaming boy.
1: Yeah, wow. I, al- I always accidentally use the word "cripple" when thinking about Bran because they use it so much in the book, forgetting that it's a slur and insulting and disrespectful to many people with physical disabilities. Well, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a term
0: for their world, um, and, and as long as we're using it I know, in their world, but I gotta
1: it's... be careful. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, it slips Con- in there. Context is important. I,
2: I hate it when it just slips in there.
0: <laughs> I love it. It's the only time anything happens. Oh, stop. <laughs> uh, please edit that out.
2: <laughs> nope, it's staying. Oh, <laughs> All right, you guys ready to uh, eat the crap out of these questions here?
0: I'm actually. Oh, yeah. gonna, I'm actually going to give our agreed upon rules to the users. So the users. Jesus, I did it again to our listeners. We're actually going to read the full question. The are not meth heads, Scott. Yeah. Some of them might be. Uh, They might be, yeah.
2: And we'd love you if you were. It's fine. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: No judgment. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So the the reader is going to finish the question and say something that indicates that it's time to answer, at which point the two remaining contestants will be able to answer. Um, But we aren't allowed to cut off the question in the middle if we think we know where it's going or anything like that. So... We might want to agree on what word it is or whatever, but let's just go ahead and make it happen.
2: All right, here goes. So, multiple choice. All of my questions are multiple choice. Which of these is not something Bran dreams about during his first three-eyed crow dream? Something he doesn't see in his dream, okay? Uh, a, his mother aboard a ship on the narrow sea. B, Rickon playing in the yard of Winterfell with Shaggy Dog. C, Sansa crying herself to sleep, or D, a giant armored in stone. Go. C.
1: Oh, yeah, C. I agree. C, no one cares about Sansa. Oh, you're both wrong! What? Oh. It was D?
0: No, it's A, then. No, <laughs> we're still wrong. It's the Catlin one.
2: Rickon. It's B. Rickon.
0: He totally really? sees Rickon playing in the yard and, like, envies him, right? Oh, he nope. actually sees He's that when he wakes up. He's a dream about it. Oh,
1: oh we're tricky.
0: That was tricky. He actually yeah. sees that when he wakes
2: up.
1: You are a Trixie Hobbit? Damn it. Sneaky little hobbitses. Wicked Trixie first. Hey,
2: if we both get it wrong, if both of you get it wrong, do I get a point?
1: Oh, yeah. I guess that we that should keep score,
0: eh? If that, if that was the rules, I would have written different questions.
2: <laughs> Everyone keep score for yourselves and let's see how it ends up in the end.
1: Oh, I'll keep oh, score.
2: Right,
1: so well, I got one on right course? so far. <laughs> Zero <laughs> right. Keep That's what I'm
2: saying. That's what'll make it fun. <laughs> It'll be fun to see what our actual point totals end up it's being.
0: golf, right? The lower score wins.
2: <laughs> yeah, Scott. Okay. All right. Um, okay, question number two Which of these is not something Bran overhears Jamie and Cersei discussing in the Broken Tower? Uh, Cersei wishing Jamie could be the hand. That's A. B. What Liza could potentially say to Catelyn. C. Edard one day betraying Joffrey. Or D. Tyrion finding out about their relationship and telling Iwen. Go. C. D. D is the correct <laughs> answer. Tyrion finding out about their relationship and telling Tywin. I remember uh,
1: us talking about that. I was like, I wonder if like, Tyrion knows yes. about this business. Uh, uh,
0: nice. Yeah, we did.
1: Yeah. Yep. Hmm. I didn't know that they talked about Lysa, though. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, they. I... It, it seemed they knew about the letter that had arrived or something. Or...
1: Hmm.
2: Yes. That's why Lysa had to kind of disguise the letter. <laughs> Um, so that they would think it's just a gift or something like that. I think so, they yeah.
0: just felt like she knew something because of the way mm-hmm. she flew from the city. So they were worried about her starting some shit, but I don't I don't think they knew about the letter. Uh, well not
2: about the letter, but uh yeah, and they might not have known that something else arrived. Oh, yeah. Alright, ready for the next one? Okay. Maester Lewin tells Bran that a man's worth is not measured by what? He's Yeah.
1: Uh Scad
2: I'm Shut disqualified. It. <laughs> You're not disqualified. Oh. This is your final warning, though. Yeah. So, again, Maester Lewin tells Bran a man's worth is not me- is not marked by A, a ser before his name, B, how many battles he's fought in, C, who his father was, or D, how much land he holds. A. Go.
1: Well, A. A. <laughs> What are you... I'm disqualified too.
2: <laughs> God, so... A is the correct answer. Yeah. Yes, that's right. The answer was A. A uh, for his name. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Two for Brooke, one
1: for Matt, zero for Scan.
2: <laughs> you Look both. at you. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is that discussion where Bran is talking about how, how much he wants to be a knight. And. Yeah. Um, Lewin is trying to kind of calm him down a little bit. You could be
0: a maester. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he knows Stop. that
3: one life.
0: That's what he says, right? Does he? Yeah. He says, uh, you know, you could be a maester and, and a cripple.
2: He because, says Because, yeah, sounds awesome.
0: And Bran's yes, like, he does. uh, why don't you let me teach Hodor to walk around and let
2: me be a knight? <laughs> it's right. Yep. Away from his back. All right. Okay, final question on Bran. Which Stark does uh, Bran describe as having the nickname of the King Who Knelt. Cregan Stark, Torin Stark, Rickard Stark, or Brandon Stark? Go. Torin Stark.
3: Steve Brandon.
2: Scat is correct.
1: Oh Bam.
2: Torin Stark. It's the king who knelt.
1: Dang it. Come back train oh, sure started two. <laughs>
2: And, of course, this was in reference to um, the Aegon the Conqueror never actually conquered the North, but he was heading that way with his dragons. And to protect the North, Torrin Stark decided it would be better to just bend the knee to Aegon and avoid some of the slaughter that had happened in the other kingdoms of Westeros. Yeah, he so he's got... widely regarded as the king who knelt.
0: He, he actually got that whole army all the way down to the Trident, didn't he? Or close? Before kneeling?
2: Yeah, he was marching south. And, and uh, despite the kind of negative connotation of the king who knelt, he's viewed as kind of a savior, it sounds like, yeah. at least me. Mm-hmm. And that was brought up um, while they were in the crypts of Winterfell, and uh, Bran was introducing Osha to all of his ancestors.
1: Solid questions, man. Good Woo! job.
2: I liked the last Good one. Job. Good job, you guys. Yes. Anything else you want to say about Bran before we finish up on that little sucker?
1: Uh, no, right. n- nothing else about Bran.
2: All right, Scatty, you want to take us away on Catelyn then?
0: I do. I do. Uh, so here we go with Cat. Mix one part consigliere, one part dutiful daughter, one part dedicated wife and mother, one part political uh, machinist, and one part Valyrian dagger shield, and you have one Catelyn Stark.
3: <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: We're it's introduced okay. to Cat in the Godswood with Ned, and it gives us a good indication of who she is. She's counseling Ned, worried about her kids, tied to her family in the south, and wondering about the political implications of the king's impending visit to Winterfell. She weighs in heavily in Ned's decision to go south after receiving a warning from her sister that the previous Hand of the King was murdered by Cersei Lannister, the current queen. And she fights earnestly to keep Bran and Winterfell and to boot Jon Snow out, her great love and her big prejudice countering each other beautifully in the same chapter. As the cat st- story progresses, we see the same ideas of her roles multiple times, but we also see something very interesting from Cat in comparison to Ned. Uh, he's a careful, plotting, evidence-based kind of guy, and she's a little impulsive. Uh, some of her impulses, like staying to keep Brand safe, uh, help greatly. Some, Tyrion. <laughs> Not so much. After sailing rapidly to King's Landing to solve the mystery of the Dagger and to further warn Ned, her abduction of Tyrion at the end at the crossroads cue music potentially crossroads. provides the spark needed for the Powder Keg of War to ignite in Westeros. She rebounds, though. After suffering through Lysa's incompetence at Tyrion's murder hearing at the Eyrie, she convinces the Blackfish to tag along back to Winterfell and reunites with Rob to give him strong counsel as he leads his army south. And she also engineers the deal with Walder Frey to allow passage through the Twins. She then uh, follows along with the, the war train uh, and Rob uh, down to the Whispering Wood and is our, uh, serves as our ears in that chapter for a mighty victory, always offering caution and uh, not allowing the troops to get too high or too low, depending on what's going on. But by the end, after Riverrun is taken back by the Northern Army, uh, what we have is a Catelyn that is touched by tragedy and uncertainty. Her husband executed, and her daughters captives of the Lannisters, or so she thinks. She just wants her world back fruitlessly entreating the members of Riverrun and the, the Northern Collective to sue for peace, but as I stated, doing so fruitlessly. And that's how we leave Catelyn, uh, with her son uh, at Riverrun, and uh, waiting to see what happens with all these kings that have been declared and armies that have been gathered. Anything that I've left out for Catelyn?
2: No, you did very well, thank you. Yeah. I, Of all the characters... She's probably the one that seems the most just like how do I say this? Like real, like human. Um, She's just a brilliantly written and developed character.
1: For sure, she does have layers.
2: So many. I think Rickon is the most human.
0: (laughs) I love that damn kid. All right. You do love that kid.
2: You love him (laughs) maybe a little too much.
1: (laughs) You bring him up a lot.
0: Is it a problem? Do we need an intervention? I'm not saying, but I am saying.
1: How many dogs have you bought for your kids? Just
0: tell us. (laughs) Zero. Zero. Okay, trivia questions. Are you guys ready? Ready. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, so I do not have multiple choice. These are free response. Everyone's favorite. Not essay, but free response. Okay, so two people indicate to Catelyn that Robert Aaron... Was to be fostered with Stannis Baratheon. Who are they? Go,
1: Peter Baelish,
2: Tyrion, and Littlefinger.
3: Uh,
0: that's
1: yeah, not it right. had to be Tyrion.
0: Neither of those are right. What? <sighs> oh
1: wait, uh,
2: Lysa,
0: and maybe my questions weren't as easy as I thought. Uh, Maester Coleman uh, at uh, the Eyrie, who is the Maester for <gasps> Lysa, gets like drunk. Eerie, yeah. gets drunk before Tyrion's trial. And it and tells uh, uh, Catelyn that that he was not to be fostered with the Lannisters, but was to be fostered with Stannis, which uh, Catelyn disagrees with. Uh, and then when she is uh, talking with Walder Frey as well, he indicates the same that uh, Robert oh, is going that's to be. Right. He he makes. Brooke, some I was Sultan trying to let you about it, I know it, the difference. I know the difference between a Lannister, or a lion, and a falcon, or something, right? or a a lion and a stag.
1: Wait. But didn't Peter tell Ned that that was the intention?
0: Peter tells Maybe. Catelyn that it was going to be with Stannis, or uh, was going to uh, be with with, uh, with uh, Tywin.
1: This whole fostering thing has come up so many times, yes. and I'm still like,
0: can't keep it straight. Fighting yeah. the details. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: That kid who is like not really worth like fighting over.
0: Yeah. All right. Maybe <laughs> well, it was a crappy question, but I will note that I now have two.
1: That okay. was a. That's
0: a good question.
1: Oh, it was a good question. You stumped us. Stumped us good.
0: All right. Uh, Ready for question two? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Catelyn and Roderick are heading north after visiting King's Landing. Uh, And before they stay at the inn at the crossroads, they cross paths with a bannerman of Hoster Tully. Who is it, and why are they traveling south? Go.
2: Jason Alistair, Attorney of the Hand.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Jason Malister Ow. of Seaguard. And he's wow. heading down for the hands turning.
2: I and like it, the it's... Malisters. I'm not sure why, but I like them. Me too. So I, I'm with you, I'm with you. that
1: one. Uh, I couldn't name one distinguishing feature about the Malisters. <laughs> they're, uh... They seem
2: just like very like straightforward, hardcore, yeah. like, classic example of like, the like, eagle.
0: The eagle of Malister. They mm-hmm. live right on the Cape of Eagles, which is... Right near the neck. They're like the closest family to the neck other than maybe the phrase. Very loyal, very loyal to Huster Tully. Um, and uh, what happens is, the, the reason I ask this question is because it's, it's kind of important. Catelyn is basically gauging on whether or not anyone can recognize her. She says, well, the last time I was even, that Jason Malister even saw me was when I was, you know, kind of a girl. And they pass on the road and he just, you know, kind of nods his head. Hi, strangers. And that's what helps her decide that she can stay at the end of the crossroads because no one will recognize her.
2: Like, how you doing?
0: Well, I don't think he was hitting on her, but... That
2: would be really awesome if he was, though. It would be. Yeah.
1: I bet inside she's a little disappointed because that means that she has not aged as gracefully as she wanted to.
2: Yeah, five kids later.
0: Oh, jeez, Matt. All right. Uh, are you guys ready? We all know uh, that Catelyn stays well beyond uh, the expected time, perhaps in Coma Brand's room. And uh, there is a building burning diversion that takes place in order to get everyone out of the room so the cats Ball can attack. What building in Winterfell is burning? Go. The library
1: tower.
2: I didn't. Brooke, he didn't say go. I said go right when you said the library <laughs> really tower. Really suck at this. I don't know. I was going to say the library. um, Do we give you guys each a point for that one?
1: Were you going to say the library, Matt? Really? I
2: really was. Okay.
1: I will give you this point because I'm really just not playing very fairly.
2: (laughs) This is your idea, too.
3: Yeah.
2: It's a hard rule to remember. Not only are you talking more smack than any of us. You're also cheating.
1: This is why I can't keep a lover. Five seconds in, I'm like, I'm done!
2: <laughs> Me too, Brooke. Me too. Yeah, by
0: some, Brooke, is. that's considered a good trait. Okay. By her arrival, uh, by the time she arrives at the at the Eerie, Catelyn is already doubting the dagger that she, the, the cats used was Tyrion's. What does he tell her that makes her second guess what she what has heard from Peter Baelish? Go. He's why like, would she give the dagger he,
2: to uh why would he use to skin? the cat's paw his own dagger
0: Yeah, there's actually two things uh so that's one of them. The other thing is the 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 thing the chapter ends on is I never bet against my family oh. but i'll I'll give it to you
1: do we both get it
0: yeah, I think you both said it,
2: sure, yeah, okay. I think I heard you saying the same thing
0: why well, i heard I, I heard her say why would I arm him with my own dagger and Matt, you said something longer and more drawn out, but similar.
2: Yeah, less articulate. I was
1: just trying to say Bat's words Faster. Exactly as he was saying them. Like when you're trying to bug somebody by mimicking them? <laughs> by mimicking them. By mimicking them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And this ends now. Stop it. <laughs> <this ends> now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Did you ever
0: do you know what the most annoying thing ever is? What? Just follow whatever anyone says with what they just said repeated as a question. So they say to you, <laughs> I'm going to the store. You're going to the store, it will drive them nuts. The other thing you can say is, uh, as soon as they say anything, follow it with so say it the psalms. Drives what people. so say it the what the psalms drives people batty. The psalms, oh, like I'll in the Bible, it's a book in the Bible. Yes,
1: oh, hmm. All right, I'm gonna try
0: this. All right, so uh, I think that's it for Cat. Uh, I think that means you're up, Brooke, with Cat's counterpoint, Ned.
1: Yeah. Okay, so Ned starts off safe and sound as the hereditary lord of the north. He's got a hot wife, a ton of kids, loyal subjects, the occasional beheading to spice things up, and things are peaceful and content. Except Ned is one of those, like, perpetual pessimists. Maybe, like, somebody we know who is on this podcast right now. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) And knows in his heart that winter is coming. And it is. Literally and figuratively, winter is coming. News of his friend John Aaron's death is quickly followed by a royal visit from King Robert and an offer to take John Aaron's vacant position of Hand of the King. So Ned accepts, against his better judgment, and off he traipses down to King's Landing with his daughters in tow. There he has to put up with unavoidable tourneys held in his honor, his kids being brats, his friend Robert wanting to murder pregnant teenagers. And doing his best to hold on to his honor and values in a court that is basically a vile pit of deceit. So, there being evidence that John Aaron's death wasn't an accident, he also starts poking around for the true cause of John Aaron's death. While doing that, he accidentally discovers that Robert's kids are, in fact, Jamie Lannister's, making them both illegitimate, out of the line of succession, and super incestuous. So, count those toes. Knowing this, <laughs> he confronts Queen Cersei and gives her the chance to get out of Dodge before he goes to Robert with the truth, but Cersei instead arranges for Robert's accidental death and has Ned imprisoned for treason. Wah, so, wah. wah, wah. Eddard is given the opportunity to confess his treachery to save the life of his daughter Sansa, and he does so, thinking it'll see- send him to the Night's Watch at best, or keep him alive as leverage against the mounting rebellion in the North at worst. But little King Joffrey, in a fit of dickholishness, has Ned publicly beheaded with Ned's own beloved family heirloom sword, right in front of Sansa, and unbeknownst to Ned, in front of Arya as well. In the end, we experience Ned's death from Arya's perspective, but... It must have been terrible. Um, His leg was broken and barely healed. He was half starved and dirty from his imprisonment. He was trotted out before a crowd of jeering, bloodthirsty Southerners. And he was forced to lie about plotting to kill King Joffrey when he'd risked literally everything to protect that little shit. So uh, Ned was a smart guy, and he would have known that his death would leave the North in a terrible position would leave his children undefended, would leave his wife absolutely destroyed. Um, So where's Ned now? We know for sure his head is covered in tar and rotting on a spike atop the battlements of the Red Keep. And uh, there ends Ned, Uh, such a strong character, uh, so inspiring and so beloved, mercilessly crossed out by George in the most shock-valuous of deaths. That is Ned. I don't have to talk about where is he going next because he is dead. He is definitely dead. Ned is dead. There's no contesting this. Ned dead.
2: Yeah. He's not mostly dead. He's all dead.
1: dead. (laughs) He's all dead as far as we know. Yeah. yeah. Is he though? Well, you never know. No, we know. Ned is dead. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) God. All right. So did I miss anything? I really glossed over it, because Ned, of course, as, as our listeners know, who have traveled with us along our journey of a Game of Thrones, Ned had a lot of airtime on this guy, so there are a lot of points to cover, but uh, overall, all you need to know is found himself in a tough situation, and lost his head because of it. So this one, this first one is a multiple choice. Early on in the book, Ned describes Robert as he'd remembered Robert from their youth. He describes Robert as being clean-shaven, clear-eyed, and muscled like an A, hairy Arux, a B, wild boar and rut, C, a maiden's fantasy, or D, a blacksmith. Go. Hey. The answer is C, A Maiden's Fantasy. Ah, bam, bam, bam! <laughs> you can't throw the triple B questions at me! I'll get them every time! <laughs> cat has got the poster of young Robert Baratheon upon his back. He's like,
2: it's, it's not a, just a maiden. Dude, I love that
0: guy. It's what? fantasy. <laughs> and by maiden, I meant me.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, very good. Okay, nice. Okay, two- what did Ned say to Jamie Lannister when he came into the throne room of the Red Keep during Robert's Rebellion to find Jamie sitting on the iron throne in all glam rock glory, a freshly murdered King Ares dead on the floor beneath him? A. What right have you? B. The Lannisters have chosen then. C. A tarnish on that white cloak that will never be pure again. Or D, WTF? Go. A. A. You guys say A, what right have you? Yeah. Yeesh. Trick question, he didn't say anything. What? He just just glared at Jamie until Jamie got off the throne. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry, that was a dick move. (laughs) (laughs) Totally.
0: (laughs) I award you no points, Brooke, and may God have mercy on your soul
2: mercy on you
1: okay time. okay i'm gonna give you a chance to redeem yourselves it's a little bonus question okay how did ned when when he had this little interaction with Jamie, how did ned enter the throne room did he walk in did he run in or was he riding a horse go horse riding horse that's right he was riding a horse right inside the castle what the oh. heck <laughs> Okay, so you both get a point. Um, okay. Last question, and this is not multiple choice. What are Ned's pajamas described as? Go. Naked. Oh! How did you guys both know that so quickly? He does sleep night. in the buff.
2: <laughs> I just remember thinking that place is so cold and he still sleeps <laughs> naked. That's awesome. She
1: describes
0: it extremely well. I believe. I believe it's like... The steam rose off his body, or something like it's something uh, reasonably erotic. I liked it.
1: Yeah, I know. We After his earnest
2: lovemaking,
0: yes, earnest lovemaking, yes. her loins ached, or something, right? Something like that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> wow, wow, can't remember who life. fought who was
2: gonna foster little the Aaron, <laughs> but we do remember the descriptions of we like the dirty post. bits.
1: Yeah, no, He doesn't only sleep naked at Winterfell. He also sleeps naked in King's Landing, because when they come to get him, to come to King Robert's bedside as he's dying, uh, then yeah. answers the door naked.
0: Well, <laughs> think about it. You've been in the north your whole
2: life, the guards are like, hey. and then you go
0: south, and it's warm, and you're like, I can't sleep
2: here. It's too
1: hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot He's of like, hey, look at current. my eyes,
2: guys. Look at my eyes. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> and he answers the, the, the protector
1: door. of the realm <laughs> is up here. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, great I'm gonna job. I'm going to use that.
2: I'm going to say that sometime. That's great. <laughs>
1: or you could say the Protector Corral was down here. That <laughs> actually works either way.
2: That's the brilliance of it. Right. That sneaky trick question, Brooke. Never okay. trusting you again. I
1: know. I think that's the only one I did. You think? I think. <laughs> um, that's Matt? what
2: something would, someone would say. It's to trick us later. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you guys should have right?
1: known. You should Okay, yeah, Matt. Mm. On to John, please.
2: John Snow, uh, the bastard son of Edard Stark and an unspecified woman. Uh, John Snow is raised along with the other Stark children at Winterfell, after Edard returned home with him as an infant from Robert's Rebellion. Sorry, that's John who's the infant, not Edard who's the infant. Thanks. Uh, of, <laughs> just in case you needed that clarification, my phrase was a little off there.
3: Shit.
2: So of all Eddard's children, John actually has the most Stark like features next only to Arya. And this much to the sugar of uh, Eddard's wife Catelyn. He's got the he just he looks like Eddard. And not only that, but he maintains kind of that somber, serious, honor bound demeanor and attitude of his father, who he happens to idolize. He's also close to most of the Stark children, but particularly Rob and Arya. Uh, so returning from the beheading of the runaway Night's watchman and discovering the direwolf pups, it is actually John who convinces Eddard to let each Stark child keep one, as there are five wolves and five children. This, of course, meaning that John would not get a wolf. Uh, but it's only as they're leaving that John does discover, away from the rest of the pups, a small, mute albino pup with red eyes, which he claims for himself and aptly names Ghost. So, due to the lack of upward mobility uh, provided to bastards in Westeros, Jon decides that his best career choice is to join the Night's Watch. Uh, This also following in the footsteps of another Stark who he idolizes, his uncle Benjen, who's Eddard's brother. So, later arriving at the Wall, Jon remains a bit aloof and even condescending towards the other new recruits embarrassingly beating them in the practice yard and uh, just being too cool for school. Uh, until he talks with the Night's Watch's blacksmith, John adjusts his attitude and instead tries to become a leader and even a friend to the other trainees, most especially Samuel Tarley, a highborn recruit whose cowardice and uh, girth set him apart from the other trainees. John eventually does take his vows as a member of the Night's Watch, but is angered at being named a steward rather than a ranger, as he'd always dreamed of becoming. Uh, Furthermore, he's to be the personal steward of Lord Commander Mormont, something that angers him even more, thinking that he's going to have to wash Mormont's underwear and get his breakfast for him. But with the help of Samuel Tarley, John soon recognizes that he was kind of put into that position to be groomed for leadership and command. John's value soon proves itself, as with the help of Ghost, he becomes of two, he becomes aware of two whites trying to kill Commander Mormont, or one in particular. Uh, and running to the rescue, John saves Mormont's life, throwing a burning curtain at the white sustaining a serious injury to his hand in the process. Uh, Mormont's gruff kind of fondness for Jon is displayed when he later gives him Longclaw as a thank you gift. Longclaw being the Mormont family Valyrian steel sword. So while managing to kind of establish himself as a bona fide respected member of the Night's Watch, Jon still finds it difficult to truly leave his past life behind him. And after his father's, after hearing of his father's capture in King's Landing, John risks uh, execution in an attempt to join Rob in seeking vengeance south. So he deserts the Night's Watch. But thankfully, with the help of Sam, his friends on the wall chase after him and convince him to come back. And so in both chastising John and kind of informing him of what he perceives as his destiny in the Night's Watch... Mormont informs John that he intends to take a large group of Night's Watchmen north of the Wall to find out the truth of Benjen Stark, who disappeared during a ranging there months before, as well as the rumors about uh, a vague evil that's driving the wildlings south, and also rumors of wildlings massing into a great army that would attack uh, them at the Wall. So there we uh, leave Jon Snow. Where is he now? John is uh, preparing to go north of the wall with Commander Mormont and and have some fun uh, in what would be the equivalent of Disneyland, right? The north is just full of fun and games and exciting stuff. So that's Jon Snow. Gotta love the kid, right?
1: I do. Definitely my favorite character. One of. Definitely your favorite character. One of my favorite characters. I just want to
0: correct one thing, Matt, in your summary. Sorry. You indicated that that John considers leaving and risks uh, beheading uh, after he finds out of his father's arrest. It's actually after he finds out of his father's uh, death that he heads south, right?
2: That's still after his arrest. True.
0: I stand corrected.
2: (laughs) All right. No, you're fine. Thank you. Right on the defensive. (laughs) No please. Uh-uh. (laughs) All (laughs) right. All right. Uh, No, good point, Scott. Thank you. Absolutely. Are we ready for some trivia questions? Mm-hmm. Again, uh, multiple choice, four possible responses. And wait until go.
1: It's a reminder yes. for me, not to. Brooke. For sure. <laughs> I'll behave.
2: Question one. John promises Benjamin Stark that he will never, A, join the Night's Watch, B, father a bastard, C, leave Winterfell, or D, forgive Catelyn.
1: Go. B. yeah is this a trick question
2: no is it too easy
1: well no he promised wait he didn't promise or he promised
2: did promise
1: oh he definitely promised him that he would never father a bastard
2: yep you got it you both got it Scott said it first though so
1: I thought I, I heard Scott right. say e all right what what, well, what Come did on, you say, Scott? stop cheating. Well done well done Scad. <laughs> e wasn't even by the, the way choice. This... Just to just to update everyone on the score, it's Matt six, Scad six, Brooke Fork, but don't worry about that. Anyways, you guys are you guys are neck to neck, so keep really, mind. Mm-hmm. okay.
2: All right. Well, I, this is going to be an easy one. Uh, I almost gave the name away in my chapter summary um, or in my character summary, but I didn't. Um, I cut it out at the last second. So <clears throat> this next question: Who at the wall gives John the pep talk? that helps him change his attitude, particularly towards the other recruits. Was it A, Jera Mormont, B, Benjen Stark, C, Tyrion Lannister, or D, Donald Noy? Go. D. B. It was D. It was Donald Noy. Doesn't he only have, like, one arm or something? He does. He goes waving around that stump of an arm in Jon's face. You bet he's going to listen.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that what convinced him. And, uh... <laughs>
0: Show watchers confused by this question uh, can be told that Tyrion did this in the show.
2: Was that Tyrion who did it? Yeah, because Donald Noy now isn't even in the show, is he?
0: I don't know about that, if he ever shows up, but but Tyrion did this scene in the show and it did piss me off at the time.
2: Spoiler alert, he doesn't ever show up. Well, at least to this point.
1: I have it hardcore in my head that it was vengeance.
0: No, they go back to return their armor uh, after the fighting in the yard and uh, the boys attack him in the armory, and uh, Donald Noy stops the attack and then dismisses all of them except except What's John the and then gives him gives him the lesson.
1: Okay. Yep. Wrenches John's head out of his ass with the one arm.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, another example right. of Donald Noy, in my opinion, of a great minor character from Gurm.
2: A fantastic character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which of these castles is not currently garrisoned at the time of game of thrones night's watch castles a the shadow tower b east watch by the sea c gray guard or d castle black go c c Ooh, right brooke said it one second faster though
1: oh yeah i need that point man what i need it
0: <laughs> there's some delays going on guard. i clearly heard my voice before hers
1: Fine. Oh, that's <laughs> Matt is calling this one and he said "Brooke."
2: Err I'm gonna step away for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it was Gregard. Uh there's how many castles? I don't recall the exact number, but only three are currently inhabited. Like, 19, I feel like it's 19. eighteen. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold
2: on. Nineteen castles on the wall. Including Castle Black. Ah. According to the Wiki, voice and so Fire.
1: Right. Once again, I am, I'm I'm like fully obsessed with the whole Night's Watch pre falling to disgrace era. Yeah, it'd be a nice. Scene. Kind of in there incredible. Heyday. Yeah, incredible. All of those all of those castles, like manned and functioning and supported, and it must have
0: just been like the coolest culture ever. Yeah, yeah, I would think Anyways. so.
2: Yeah. And, and we're kind of led to believe that the culture or the, the types of individuals that joint watch was a little bit different back in the day. There were a lot more highborn uh, individuals from more noble families and stuff. And you didn't get kind of the dreads of society like you do now. Uh-huh. Okay. So let's move on to our final question. This one's going to be an easy one, uh, but I wanted to ask it anyways. So, When asked by Robert, who John's mother is, Eddard gives the name A. Ashara, B. Willa, C. Lysa, or D. Walda. Go. B. B. It was B. Ah. Willa.
1: And uh, are you going to blame technical difficulties, or was that me first again?
0: Wait, what? I totally got that first.
1: (laughs) Matt?
2: I i heard brooke
1: oh my god (laughs) listeners just so you know we just restarted the call because scad's like oh no there's something funky going on there's something weird here we need to reconnect
0: let me tell you the listeners are gonna know there was something funky going on because they're gonna hear it in the recording so i will be vindicated
2: Well, all right, that's John, little Johnny boy Snow. Um, who do we have next? Scad on Tyrion,
0: uh, all right, Tyrion. A little scat
2: on Tyrion action,
0: it would be very little. Uh, all right, it is fitting that our first glimpse of Tyrion is in a library. Uh, his first POV takes place uh, at the beginning in a library. His mind is his weapon, and his time with books is like Jamie's time in the yard. And we see it in his opening chapter further when he tries to suss out the true goings-on with Bran's fall from the tower, uh, which was uh, already covered in this, uh, this episode. His brain goes into Columbo mode at breakfast with his family, trying to figure out exactly what's going on and trying to figure out everyone's intentions and feelings on the matter. Even his subsequent trip to the Wall is an exercise in learning. Giving his brain another experience to further contextualize his world to give him more knowledge that others won't possess about the world they all live in. While he's there, he softens to the men on the wall and their cause, even promising to sing their needs to those in King's Landing, and even being temporarily moved by the mystique of the North, at least briefly considering that there really may be something out there. But. <laughs> We also see in Tyrion not just a man looking to solidify his place in the world with his brain um, and, and in his family, we also see a man capable of great empathy and great humor. He can relate to Jon's plight as a bastard, uh, empathy that, that ends in a true friendship between the two, and he can also empathize with Bran after his crippling fall, providing a s- solution that will help Bran ride a horse again, um, though we all know he, 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 he can't walk. But if you don't have his empathy, beware his repier wit. Alistair Thorne can attest to that. As a result of Tyrion's early chapters and his uh, his, uh, very capable wit and uh, empathy, uh, the reader thinks we might have this character pegged early on. He's a a disadvantaged, uh, in some ways, hero, with the smarts to save the day and the heart to save it, perhaps, in the right way. But we also find in Tyrion in the next chapter is a darker side. He's a man that fell in love at an early age with a woman that was really just part of the jape of his family. Uh, played by his father and brother like a fool, uh, the, man, the, the girl was, was hired out to, to, uh, to give Tyrion his first sexual experience. He's also a man who admits that he has wished his father and sister dead at times. And he's a man who really doesn't trust any of the people he cares for most. He's forced to grow in directions he'd sooner avoid. He's taken by Catelyn, uh, again at the end of the crossroads, and forced into battle, then survives a farce of a trial at the Eyrie, and also the ensuing trip ensuing trip down uh, back into the Riverlands through the mountains by bribing a sellsword to fight his battle at the trial, and bribing an entire mountain clan, or actually several mountain clans, uh, to let them skate back into the Riverlands uh, in... Uh, in their health only then to be played by his father placed at the head of a major battle but he acquits himself well in both battles he has to uh, to participate in however through the betrayal of his father uh, and others Tyrion learns to trust only those he can pay a sellsword his mountain clans and a whore by the name of Shay. Tyrion ends up earning his father's respect if not his love By surviving through the battles and by seeing the truth of their family's current predicament in war councils and speaking his mind. His reward, though, to put a leash on Circe in King's Landing and to teach his nephew how to rule as the new hand of the king. And by the way, his horn cell sword are going along for the ride with him. that's where we leave Tyrion.
1: Good summary.
2: Yeah, another great character.
0: He is great. Uh, So, questions. Everybody ready? Born ready. All right. Tyrion takes a book with him on the road to the Wall from the Stark Library. What is it about? Go.
2: Uh, dragon lore.
0: Yeah, that's right. Matt gets it.
1: Oh, <sighs> oh good one, Matt. I would not have guessed that, but it's a good one. I would have taken that book out, too.
0: Uh, question number two. Question the second. At the Wall, Tyrion eats with senior members of the Night's Watch, uh, duels Sir Alistair Thorne with his wits and a fork. What were they eating? Go. <sighs>
1: Oh, um,
3: we're definitely
1: eating some something swimming in butter, sausage, oh, and sausages. blueberries. <laughs>
2: all right, oh, that, there, there is that blueberry ice cream they have at some point. It's
0: they're eating crab that just arrived from Eastwatch by the sea. Duh. <laughs> hey, Brooke, that's a point it. for me in your scorekeeping.
1: Yeah, you're ahead.
0: Uh, all right, uh, ready for question number three? Yes. In the eerie, mm. who is Tyrion's first choice for a champion? Go. Jamie. His brother, Jamie. Yeah, and Matt got it.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. <sighs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave that ground in.
0: Best place to leave them. All right, uh, fourth and final question on Tyrion. In the War Council, Leo Lefford insists that they must ransom Sir Jamie immediately. But Tyrion suggests that if the Starks are after money, instead of ransoming him, they can just do what?
3: Oh, I don't know.
0: If the Starks are after money, he recommends they do what in lieu of ransoming Sir Jaime? Go. Don't sell snow? I don't remember. Melt down his golden armor. Clever, Tyrion. Clever. And that is it. Good questions, friend. Thank you. And um, Well done. We're back to Matt with Sansa, I think.
2: Yes, I love little Sansan. Uh Second oldest of the legitimate Stark children, and one of two girls in the Stark family. Uh, she's described as beautiful. Uh, starting off the story, she's 11 years old, uh, going on 12, and is seen to take after her mother's side as far as looks go. She's interested in many of the things that little girls of Westeros are traditionally interested in, including music, dancing, embroidery, stories and songs of romance and finding her handsome prince and all that crap. So with her appointments, with her father's appointment to Hand of the King, it's decided that Sansa and Arya will accompany him to King's Landing. And of everyone in the family, Sansa is certainly the most excited about this, uh, not least of all by her betrothal, To Prince Joffrey, meaning that one day Sansa is set to become Queen of the Seven Kingdoms. So after witnessing the incident between Arya and Joffrey, where Arya um, sicks Nymeria on Joffrey and then later throws his sword in the lake, Sansa lies to King Robert, telling him she doesn't remember what had happened, even though she did. Now, whether she was just scared or just trying to be loyal to her future husband, we don't really know. In any cases, the consequences sucked for her, as it was decided that her direwolf would be executed in place of the runoffed Nymeria. Sansa loves King's Landing, however, considering herself to be living in one of her songs. She finds herself able to ignore Joffrey's psychopath tendencies Uh, She loves attending the tourney, and she seems to be enjoying everything about being at court, except for maybe Arya. She even develops a budding relationship with one Sandor Clegane of the Kingsguard, him of the burnt face and uh, the sword that killed the little butcher's boy. Um, she, She gets on his good side a little bit, and even starts to peel away some of his layers. Because after Eddard discovers Joffrey's parentage and informs Sansa and Arya that they're being sent back to Winterfell Sansa run off runs off and informs Cersei unwittingly aiding in Eddard's arrest so believing Eddard will be protected if she does this Sansa is forced to call her father a traitor and tell the rest of the family as such as much even so she pleads for mercy Uh, For her father, which Joffrey promised to grant. Of course, that didn't go down quite like she planned, as Joffrey's idea of mercy was giving Eddard a nice, clean death by beheading. So after Eddard's execution, Sansa finds herself in the very unenviable position of still being engaged to a boy who ordered her father's death with Cersei saying that as soon as she starts her period, the wedding will go down. So where is Sansa now? She is stuck in a pit of pythons, basically, uh, a hostage of the Lannisters, um, and in a very crappy situation. So interesting to see what will happen with Sansa as the story goes along.
1: Yeah, she's in an unenviable position right now. Well, it could be worse. She's... Probably got like a pretty sweet bed to sleep in. Yeah, all she the can lemon cakes she can eat. <laughs> Actually, her imprisonment sounds pretty good. Honestly, yeah, sometimes she... I'm like, well, I wouldn't mind being imprisoned, but like, had the internet and whatever I wanted to eat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she's just surrounded by a bunch of freaking psychos, though.
1: True. Yeah, yeah just getting and... beat up and hit. Yeah. Whenever yeah Joc- she's she in a rough
0: place to be mentally, for sure. Just. Mm. It would be challenging every day yeah. just to face it men- mentally and emotionally.
2: Um, so as we know, Sansa meets in her chapters and we are introduced through Sansa's eyes to one ill in pain who she's deathly afraid of and who eventually deals the killing blow to her father. So multiple choice question. Why was ill in pain's tongue torn out? a, for saying Tywin Lannister really ruled the Seven Kingdoms, not King Ares. B. As punishment for his role in Robert's Rebellion. C. For once calling King Ares's wife the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. Or D. He cut it out himself as a sign of loyalty. Go.
1: B. The Mad King cut it out. I'm going with C. I got a point! Damn it. What?
2: It's A! <sighs> Brooke, it, yeah. you were right. Ares did have it cut out. Right. But it was, and it was for saying that oh. Tywin Lannister really ruled the Seven Kingdoms. Uh. Nice. Which was true.
3: <laughs>
1: as, huh. as
0: hand to Ares, you mean? Or yes. Illyn meant?
1: I forgot that Ellen was so loyal. That, like, that never really registered with me.
2: Yeah, Ellen's Ilan, a Lannister man through and through. So. So, next question. This one's actually about Sansa. So Sansa is bewildered that Eddard did not send who after Gregor Clegane after finding about out about Gregor's actions in the Riverlands? Was it A Jamie Lannister, B Illyn Payne, C Loras Tyrell, or D Barristan Selmy? Go. C. C. Very good. Loras <laughs> Tyrell. Good job, guys.
1: Thanks. Who got I that this one? this
2: could be a really easy answer. You guys got it at the same time. Give yourselves both <sighs> points. Like you said it at exactly the same time. Uh, I wanted to bring this one up because of cute little Loras. Uh, Sansa, despite her betrothal to Joffrey, can't deny she's got a little crush on this guy. And it's a fun little side story to Sansa, I
1: think. Who doesn't have a crush on Sir Loras? Ooh, not of flowers. Whew. Whew.
0: I don't. I know I do. Curly I hair. I big and beefy like Triple B.
2: Like a big hairy oryx.
1: <laughs> no, no, muscled <laughs> like a maiden's fantasy or a scad's fantasy
2: or a scatty fantasy, <laughs> a a, a, scattacy. A,
1: scattacy. a scattacy. Oh, guess what we found, guys! Word of the
2: day. Word of the day.
1: Yeah. Word of the day. Yeah. a Scattacy. A scattacy. It's just it's just big, muscly, hairy men. <laughs>
0: I'm also a big fan of Jorah
2: Mormont.
1: Yeah, that falls also in the same hairy. category. <laughs> also
2: Harry. You've
1: got a type.
2: All right. So um, here's, here's one that you guys will get. What did Sansa say to Joffrey that provoked him to sick Maron Trant on her for the second time? Okay, the second time. A, that she wishes Arya would have killed him on the King's Road. B... That she wishes she could push him from the battlements. C, that he was no true king. Or D, that Rob would someday bring her Joffrey's head. Go. D. Dink. Brooke by a half a second. Oh,
3: come oh, on! Yeah. <laughs> I
0: have to, I actually, in order to try to get in there in time, I actually have to guess when you're saying go and say it at the same time.
1: I don't think the delay is that long.
0: I'm serious. I'm saying my answer the same time he says go
1: perhaps in your head
0: when I'm hearing it across the Jesus alright let's move on
1: go wake up your family we need witnesses to
2: this (sighs) I'm I'm just gonna stay neutral in this I'm just telling you what I hear
0: I know Uh, shades of Heather my uber competitiveness are just kicking in and I I can't control it
1: okay just a little update we're at Matt at 9 scat at 9 and Brooke at 8 so we're pretty pretty close
2: Ooh. So this isn't directly about Sansa, but it happens in her POV. Who is granted Harrenhal and a seat on the council for his role in helping to capture Eddard Stark? Was it A, Littlefinger, B, Jono Slynt, C, the Hound, or D, Jaime Lannister? Go. B. That one I heard at the same time. Ah, oh, dang. It was, it was
1: B. Good question. Good answer. Okay, let's talk about Arya a little bit here. So uh, Arya has never fit the mold of a lord's daughter, and she is fiercely proud of it. She is a bit rough and tumble, and she gets along much better with her brothers than she does with her sister Sansa. She's a Stark kid, so she is lucky to be fated with a direwolf companion, a a she-wolf she names Nymeria. Arya and Sansa accompany Ned to King's Landing when he's appointed Hand of the King, and on the way, Nymeria attacks Prince Joffrey, aiding Arya in protecting her friend Micah from Joffrey's teenage tormenting. Knowing that Nymeria will probably be put down for attacking the prince, Arya has to chase her away, and Arya and Nymeria are estranged uh, still, as far as we know. Once they get to King's Landing, Ned finds the sword, Needle, that Jon, Arya's bastard brother, gifted her before she left Winterfell. So instead of making her conform to the lady that she's supposed to be, Ned wins Father of the Year by hiring her a Braavosi Swordmaster Instructor. Arya gets pretty good at both sword skills and overall fighting prowess. And this pays off because when Ned is pronounced a traitor, Lannister guards come looking for Arya, and she's able to elude them thanks to Serio Serio Pharrell, her swordmaster, sacrificing himself, maybe to death, and because of her nimbleness. She uses her innate smarts and survival instinct to survive in the slums of King's Landing until the day of Ned's beheading. So last we see of Arya, she has just witnessed or been very close to the beheading of Ned. At the last moment, uh, Yorin, a member of the Night's Watch, finds her and, and kind of pulls her head aside and, and keeps her from looking directly at the beheading. So the last we see of Arya, she has just witnessed or been very close to the beheading of her father She's heartbroken, she's angry, she's shocked, she's numb, she's confused because here is this black brother she barely knows, Yorin, insisting on calling her a boy and making the motions to cut off all of her hair with a knife, which would be both painful and messy. So as far as we know, she's in Yorin's care, she's being disguised as a boy, She is fatherless. She is um, unprotected by any Starks, because pretty much none are left in King's Landing other than Sansa, and uh, we don't know where she's going next. So that is Arya. Time for some trivia? Yay!
2: Time for some trivia.
1: Okay. First one is sort of multiple choice. What is not one of the names people call Arya? Arya Horseface, Arya Underfoot, Arya Girl dum-dum boy little sister and child go boy
0: dum-dum oh, oh boy no not boy
1: matt matt got this one it's oh. dum-dum she calls people dum-dum
0: she does my I'm brain sure turned off i was thinking dum-dum and said boy <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember I
2: did say dum-dum that's great
1: i'm pretty sure she does
2: dum-dum you give me gum gum
1: Or else some other little girl like Arya does. Whatever the case, that was the answer. Dum-dum. No Mm -hmm. one calls her Dum-dum. All right, next question. This is not multiple choice. So Arya chases a wily, one-eared black tomcat through the keep on orders from Serial Pharrell. A black cat is mentioned in the book at another point, and it could possibly be the same cat. Who... Did the black Tom possibly belong to? Go.
2: Varys. I don't remember. Uh, Skat?
0: No. Uh. It was. Um. It was Aerys' wife.
1: Close. Point for oh, Rook. It was. Oh, it was Rhaegar's daughter. daughter. Oh yes. Yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> yes. She had. Well, a we all kitten. know
3: it
0: was the wife that took care of the cat. The daughter didn't do it.
1: I'm still taking this place. Yeah.
2: Now, yeah. now I remember.
1: So berries remembers, uh, Rainies, I believe is how it's pronounced. Prince Rigger's daughter having uh, a little black kitten that she called Balerion and who she pretend, mm-hmm. pretended that the little black kitten was the dragon Balerion. Yeah. I remember that. Good, good question. Right.
2: Thanks. Yeah, great question.
1: Thanks guys. So it's, it's three way tie. 10, 10, 10. All right. Next question also not a multiple choice. Who helped Arya chase away Nymeria while they were traveling down to King's Landing? Go. Jory. No one. scad got it. Myself. No, it was Jory. Jory helped her, and Jory swore that he would not tell Ned, and he didn't. All right. Good one, scad. Lucky guess. Okay. Last question. At one point during... The multiple fights that Arya and Sansa have. Arya chucks a piece of fruit at Sansa. Nails her in the forehead. What was the fruit? Go. Blood orange.
2: Blood peach. That oh, was an orange,
1: yeah. Scad got it. Blood orange. What's a blood peach? I don't know. <laughs> that sounds wrong. <laughs> Maybe sound that's old. what I
2: thought.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a bad bridesmaid's dress color. Blood peach.
2: It's the name of a band. <laughs>
1: Is it? <laughs> That's no, right? but
2: it's a great name.
0: I'm calling Whoa. it. <laughs> and uh, ruins the Dips. dress, which she later dies black or something, right?
1: Um, I don't remember yes. what she dies it, but yeah, she does have to dye that dress because the blood orange hits her in the forehead and then falls in her lap. Ugh, that would have been for a good scene for Aria. Mm-hmm. John should water
0: right. a bow and quiver.
1: I know, right? Okay, on to the the last point of view character for Game of Thrones, Skad. Alright, it is Danny, And
0: more than any POV in Game of Thrones, in this co-host's opinion, Daenerys Targaryen is destined for growth. And she doesn't disappoint. A 13-year-old on the run for her whole life, she is shackled by an oppressive brother that abuses her physically and verbally. Danny is sold into a marriage contract with a seemingly savage warlord in exchange for a horde of these same savages to help to obtain the Iron Throne for her brother. A blessing in disguise, though, as Danny becomes the queen of the tribe and grows into the role, learning the customs and the land, finding something that is just hers uh, and not her brother's, and creeping out of the shadows of abuse. Uh, she becomes a willing lover on the Dothraki Sea, as well as an expectant and protective mother of her unborn child, uh, and a leader of her people. She has kind of become a Dothraki. But beneath it all is a core strength. A strength based on not her time with the Dothraki, but based on her heritage. She has the blood of the dragon, and that gives her swagger, courage, and uh, a will that, that can't really be overwhelmed. This grows within her as she immerses in the Dothraki world and inspires loyalty from those around her, particularly one Jorah Mormont, a crushy of the scad. The reader kind of celebrates with her as she swallows a horse heart raw and bathes in the Dothraki's sacred lake and cheers on the inside a little bit at the ensuing feast when her brother is permanently removed from the equation with a crown of molten gold. However, it's not all sunshine and rainbows in her post-Viserys world. Uh, it comes crashing down on her in short order as her husband is killed, her child lost, and her tribe most of it uh, dispersed, uh, all supposedly at the hands of a woman she saved and trusted Mary Mazdur. but these events don't send her reeling rather they embolden her. She is struck with dreams that empower her through these dilemmas, though she's dazed and confused for so long, it's not true she does eventually wake up from tragedy stronger than ever punishing her betrayer and setting right with a proper death for drogo confident or crazy enough to walk into a raging funeral pyre as drogo burns and her eggs hatch danny emerges unscathed as the mother of dragons where she goes from here with the only known dragons in existence is anyone's guess but we know she has the inner strength and conviction to pair with these beasts of war so anything is possible
1: all right it, this, going through all these point of view characters, it becomes very clear that this was this book was stark focused, and then you have this complete departure from the culture and the and the background with Danny. Yeah, like it's 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 geographically like two, too. It's just... Yeah, it's two different stories in one book for yeah. sure. But you know what's interesting? I didn't I didn't notice this on
0: any of my reads. So um, by two before this podcast, and then. I read each chapter twice, so my third and fourth, I suppose, while I was reading this time, I didn't realize until just doing this character summary that her chapters are so backloaded. She has ten, I think, or it might be nine, uh, chapters in this book, and like I feel like six of them are in the last 200 pages. It's crazy mm. how backloaded her chapters are, and um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting.
1: That is interesting, because it starts out the prologue Bran and then Danny. We're right into Danny.
0: It's right. yeah, prologue now Bran, we... Catelyn, Danny. Yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. What's yeah. right? Yeah, I noticed and the then same she, thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and you're kind of led to believe that this is a story about the Stark family, right? And then so it's kind of confusing to have Danny thrown into the mix there, um, of what appears to be a story about a family in the north.
1: Yeah, also confusing to have the patriarch murdered, or assassinated. No, mmm, beheaded, I guess.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, all of the above.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, ready for some
0: trivia? Yes. Yeesh. Okay, uh, not multiple choice, but multiple answers here.
2: Oh, Name goody.
0: three wedding gifts that Daniel receives, go.
2: Books, eggs. Dragon eggs. Uh, a whip.
1: A saddle, yep, and a horse.
0: Yeah, uh, all correct, but uh, but Matt got it first.
1: Yeah, I don't um, think she got a whip. Good one, Matt.
0: She did. She got she got a whip, an arak, and a bow. Um, those are those are gifts given to her that go to Caldrogo Drogo uh, instead, right? They're kind of. Right. It's, I'm surprised you forgot Brooke because it's kind of misogynistic. Here's your wedding gift. Give it to your husband.
1: Oh, I didn't okay. forget. I just didn't think that Caldrogo Drogo would need a whip.
2: Oh, he's I got it. He's got I I don't spide. know why I thought of the whip before the horse. <laughs>
1: Yeah, let's backtrack a second here.
2: Yeah, that
0: Matt great was like, scene. A whip!
1: a whip! She got a whip!
0: That great scene where she jumps the fire just ingrained in my brain. Yeah. Right, okay, and I'm was. like, whip, whip. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wonder what they use that whip for.
0: Whip. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's a point for Matt. Yeah,
1: you got it.
0: Uh, again, not multiple choice, but multiple answers. In Game of Thrones, Danny receives from Viserys three principal handmaidens. What are their names? go
2: eerie oh eerie J- jiki and durea yeah that's right Jeez. i don't <sighs> know how this, that wow. middle name is weird.
1: i feel shamed i had no idea what their names were good one matt <laughs> thanks for giving them some agency while i was just like ah the slaves
0: <laughs> the slave the slaves. they yeah. don't matter uh all right another point for matt he's got it okay next question the wine cellar tries to poison Danny with what type of wine? The type and where it's from. Go.
1: Red wine from, uh, high, uh no, the... The Arbor.
2: Yeah, the Arbor. Dang
1: it. I going to say high the... garden it was the Arbor uh, in Highgarden. But garden. it
2: was red, so does Brooke get one and I get one? Right?
1: <laughs> I think you each
0: get a half? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she knew it was, it's a dry red from the Arbor, yeah. It was a multiple answer question, and she got one and I got one. Yeah. Doesn't that mean neither of you got it?
1: I'm right, going to give us both both
0: take it for working together.
1: Good job, guys.
0: <laughs> okay. Final question: What are the two most common things Danny associates with home? Go.
1: Uh, red door, no yellow door, and oh no, red door and a lemon tree.
0: That's right. Brooke gets it. Ah, <sighs> nice. Good job, Brooke.
1: Thanks. That's it for trivia.
0: That's it for trivia.
1: Okay. That's it for
0: trivia, and Bummer. that's it for for our character <laughs> analysis
1: as well. Yeah. Okay. So final score. Brooke had twelve. Scad had twelve. Matt, winner with thirteen. Wow! My own
0: personal score gives me thirteen.
1: Oh, really? Your own personal score? We'll run it back. We'll see.
2: (laughs) My personal score gives me fifteen.
0: Oh, wow!
1: (laughs) What the? What are you? (laughs) (laughs) I thought of it first, so I'll just give myself a point.
0: (laughs) No, Matt told, or so one of you told me to keep my own score, so I did. Being honest. All right. All right. So I think that's I think that's it for our character analysis. I hope you guys uh, all enjoyed it. Brooke, do you have anything fun. to wrap up
1: with? Uh, no, but definitely let us know how you guys fared on the trivia. We'd love to love to hear who might have beaten our scores by your own scorekeeping. And guys, keep it fair, okay? Uh, and this is <laughs> this is this is Brooke signing off, saying, uh, "Don't be a dum dum."
2: And uh, this is Matt signing off, reminding you to never bet against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> I never bet against a Lannister either. Scott signing off uh, with a little Zeppelin. Whatever your days may bring, no use hiding in a corner because that won't change a thing.
1: Nice. Good night. Good night,
0: everybody. Good night, guys. Oh,
3: I need your